Welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. It is Thursday, March the 10th. We're at uh, the Opryland Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, and we're having a great time learning uh, lots of great stuff and hearing from great speakers And we have a great speaker with us today and a great friend, and that is Bob Lapine. Bob is a pastor. He's an author. He's a speaker. He uh, was on the radio with Family Life Today for 29 years. He is a radio pro, and uh, he is an expert. We could call you an expert, Bob, in marriage and family, couldn't we? You know what an expert is? An expert, X means has-been, and spurt means a drip. So it's a has-been drip. An expert is a has-been drip. A a drip under pressure. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. Well, I wouldn't call you that. But, but Bob, to get us started, let me uh, read from Colossians chapter. Chapter 3, a great passage of Scripture, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And then we get into family dynamics. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands... Love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. All right, Bob, you have five children, ten grandchildren. Right. Okay, so in your opinion, what is the state of marriage and family today? Well, I I think there's great confusion in the culture about what marriage and family means. I mean, we have all kinds of confusion about gender and sexuality and about who can marry and how you define marriage. And uh, we tend to think that marriage is uh, an institution that we came up with, and it's something that we can define however we like. And the, the common definition is as long as two people love each other and want to live together and um, will make some kind of a commitment, doesn't necessarily have to be a lifelong commitment. I mean, those those are a little boxy. So as long as you'll just say, I'm, I'm for you and you're for me and let's move in together and, and let's get it official, that's how people think of marriage. And of course, the, the Bible has a completely different view of both marriage and love. And, uh, and, and so we have to Instead of thinking, what do, what do we think marriage is? We turn and say, what does God say marriage is? And how do we conform to his purposes and his will rather than just doing it our way? Right. Well, okay, now, so for, for couples that are still saying, hey, I'm a guy, she's a girl, I like her. Yes. And we want to get married and we want to have a family. Uh, as we say at Family Life, uh, couples go into marriage with stars in their eyes, uh, but marriage is a real eye-opener. That's right. <laughs> and so uh, in your own life, uh, with you and Marianne, were you thinking, hey, this is going to be the be-all, end-all, we're just going to, love will keep us together, all that kind of sure. stuff? Sure. I, I, I thought, I was thinking about this the other day, I was thinking, what was my motivation for getting married? And I think my motivation was we <clears> dated <throat> long enough, it was time you either get married or you go find somebody else. I mean, Marianne, Marianne was pretty sure it was time to either get married or go find somebody else. She, we dated for three and a half years, oh. and, and, and she was right. I, I don't think three and a half year dating relationships are, uh, are healthy 
or, or positive. In fact, as I work with couples today, if, after they've gotten to know each other uh, in, in dating for a while, it's like, okay, where's this going? Have you right. had the DTR, the define the relationship, and, and are you being intentional and purposeful about it? I was doing what most of us did you, in high school and, and college. You date people, and you find somebody you like, and, and once you like them and they like you, you just wait till you graduate, then you get married. So I, I don't know that it was any more purposeful for me than it's just the right time, and, time. and we've been together long enough that I guess we ought to get married. Um, now, and, both, both of you were believers? Uh, both of us were believers, yeah. She had, she had grown up uh, Catholic. I'd grown up in a mainline Protestant church. Uh, she came to faith in high school. I came to faith in college. So we had that common foundation. And part of the, part of the thing that we fell into that I think a lot of people fall into because we had grown up in homes where, where faith was expressed differently and, and in my home not central the way it, it should have been, um, we thought, well, now that we know Jesus and now that we are both believers, marriage is going to be a cinch because if you know and love Jesus and you know and love each other, you're not going to have any problems right. in marriage. It's just going to work out fine. Well, that lasts about a day. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start to realize there's more to this than I, than I recognize. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's talk about that. Why, why is marriage so hard? Yeah. Uh, two reasons. One is because we don't anticipate um, the, the reality, which is that we're going to naturally drift apart. We think we're going to naturally keep growing closer and closer. That's what happened when we dated. We started to like each other. Then we liked each other more and then more. And we just think this is going to be great. I mean, you get married, it'll just be more and more and more. Well, you get busy and distracted and you start to have other priorities and you start to, to work things out. You start to drift apart. We fail to anticipate that and we fail to take steps to try to curb that. I think that's one of the reasons. But I think the other reason is because at, at our core, we have, we're both sinful, selfish, right. self-focused, self-oriented people, and we've got to be putting that to death daily mm-hmm. in order for a marriage to thrive. But most conflict, I, I've told couples for years, there's a verse in Philippians chapter 2 that says, do nothing from selfishness. Mm-hmm. And, and the, I've looked at the Greek, the Greek word that's translated nothing there means nothing. <laughs> do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, regard one another as more important than yourself. I've said, if you would apply that one verse in your marriage, that would cure about 87 percent i don't have it dialed in exactly most of the issues in marriage are because we're doing things from selfishness or vanity and we're not regarding the other person as more important than ourselves we're regarding ourselves as more important than our spouse right and that's what leads to conflict so it's it's understanding how to walk in humility walk in the lord and do that together that's i think at, at the core of what makes marriage work well, would you agree that when you're dating, especially for a guy, when you're trying to win that girl, you are being a lot more selfless? Yes. I mean, I was willing to go shopping. I'd, I'd go to the opera if Debbie wanted to. But after you get married, it's like, I don't want to do that. My friend Tim Kimmel used to say, he said, when Darcy and I dated, I loved the fact that on Monday nights, she just loved watching Monday night football with me. I mean, she thought this, and he thought, this is what she's... This is what she is. She loved the fact that when she was sewing, and I would help her cut out patterns. Yes. Right? So they get married thinking this is what marriage is going to be. I help cut out patterns. She watches (laughs) Monday Night Football. You get married, and it's like, 
I'm not going to help you with your pattern. Why don't you sit here and watch Monday Night Football? She goes, I don't even like Monday Night Football. I just like being with you. So, yeah, a lot of that selfishness gets exposed when we're when once the pursuit is over and we're now we're committed to one another and we go, okay, now I can be who I really am. And we go, whoa, that's we're kind of selfish, aren't we? Well, and then couples, when they when the light comes on and you're married and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, we're not getting along very well. Um, what do they do with that? Well, here's the first thing they've got to do. They've got to recognize that everybody feels that. Everybody has conflict in marriage. I, I think couples, because we're isolated from one another, we experience conflict and we go, we're the only ones having conflict. Mm-hmm. We go to church, doesn't look like anybody at church is having conflict. They all look happy and getting yeah. along. And so we think there must be something wrong with us. And then we go, actually, there must be something wrong with you. Because the whole reason here, it couldn't be me. It's got to be, <laughs> there's only two of us here. And so it's got to be you. And we start to look at each other and say, you're the problem. No, you're the problem. No, you're the problem. And, and we have to recognize that there's conflict in a marriage, but let's isolate the issue rather than saying the other person is the issue. Right. You're not my enemy. Right. Exactly. So as we tell people at Family Life, the enemy is out there. That's right. And he wants to destroy your marriage. Right. But your spouse is not the enemy. So right. let's figure out who the real enemy is and let's go against him together. Amen. Well, we're talking to Bob Lapine. We're talking about marriage and family. Uh, we don't want to have a marriage and a family that just uh, survives. We want to have one that thrives. So this is a, a session that's going to be helpful to you, to your family, to your marriage. So don't go away. We'll be right up, back after the break. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. What would you do? Aunt Sadie, I appreciate your thought behind the gift card, but I just can't take it. I promise not to shop at Target because they allow men in areas that need to be private and protected for women and children. I hope you'll go to afa.net slash target and learn about it. I'm not giving them my money. Aunt Sadie didn't know about AFA's call to boycott Target, but she knows now, and so do you. Learn even more at afa.net slash target. afa.net slash target. Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Christian parents are on the hook today because they have to identify the threats to the value system 
that's being taught to their children in public schools. And their job is to protect their kids from these influences. Tune in for Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. Weekdays at 6.30 a.m. and 9.30 p.m. on American Family Radio. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our program. God's blessings to you all. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. I'm pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. We're talking to Bob Lapine. Bob is an author. Bob is a pastor. Bob is a speaker. He's an all-around good guy, <laughs> and uh, we uh, are so thankful to have him here in the studio. Okay, Bob, you just wrote a book a year or so ago called Love Life. Well, I guess two years ago, Love yeah, Like You Mean It. Right. Um, I was t- just in Texarkana with you, with your church, and talking about, talking about love and talking about uh, how all of that works out in a marriage relationship. And we had a great time this week with a, a couple hundred couples who came out for the evening. It was wonderful. Yeah, well, they, you did a great job, and people really, really loved it. So let's talk about love like you mean it. What does that mean? Well, most of us have... When we think about the subject of love, our idea of what love means has been shaped more by pop songs and Hallmark movies than it has been by the Bible, <laughs> right? Sure. So we have this highly romanticized, emotional thought about love. If you say to somebody, are you in love? Uh, what we're really asking is, what's the level of your emotional engagement with somebody else? What What's happening with your feelings toward another person? And, and I'm a fan of feelings. I mean, I think they're good in a marriage relationship, but at the end of the day, the, the way the Bible defines love, it's more about our actions than it is about our feelings. It's more about the choices we make mm-hmm. than, than about how we feel. When we, we talk about God's love for us, we understand this clearly. I mean, the Bible says, greater love has no one than this. And it's not that they, they get all lightheaded when the other person <laughs> walks in the room. No, right. greater love has no one than this. He lays down his life for his friends. Right. And and Jesus says, if you're my disciples, love one another the way that I've loved you. And how did he love us? Well, he, he came incarnationally into our lives. He, he engaged with us. There's a commitment he makes. He is He's sacrificial in what he does. So we should have that same kind of approach to love. And the, the classic passage here, as you know, is 1 Corinthians 13. And I think oftentimes when we get to 1 Corinthians 13, we've heard it read at weddings, or right. it, it, and it gets read as kind of a, a hallmark poetry. So right. it's, it's like, love is patient. Love is kind. <laughs> love does not insist on its own way. Well, I think the way the Apostle Paul intended for it to be read, this is a rebuke yes. against the church at Corinth that is not being loving. They're being very self-focused. And he's going... Look, guys, if you speak with the tongues of men and angels and don't have love, you got nothing. Right. And then he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Love is, love is not arrogant or rude. I mean, he just goes on with this, and he's, he's scolding them a little bit. Yes. I, I think at your next wedding, I think you should try that. <laughs> <laughs> when you read 1 Corinthians 13, yeah. you just look at this bride and groom and say, I want to give you guys a wake-up call. What you're about to pledge to one another, your love for one another, here's what's coming. Love is patient. And yeah. interesting, the word patient in the old King James, love is long-suffering. Yeah. Love suffereth long. That's the first thing Paul says about love in this passage. If you're in love, you're going to suffer for a long time, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, what it's, that's where we start, but we, I think we have to recalibrate 
our ideas about love and think more biblically than culturally about it? Well, so if you go into marriage, you're talking to a couple. The, the problem with couples is that they don't, they're, not, they're so in love that they, they can't. So clouded by all the emotions. Right. Yep. Because I've sat down with many couples, and it's like, okay, it's really hard to communicate with you. You're just goo-goo-eyed over one another. <laughs> and it's like, that's going to go away, uh-huh. and then life is going to slap you in the face. But then we don't want to be negative on marriage and family because it's a wonderful thing, but it's not easy. Yeah. Marianne and I, have, as we've talked to younger couples, I will say, okay, I'm just, I want to give you a, a reality check, a little wake-up call. This is going to be harder than you think it's going to be. And she will always kind of nudge me and go, and it's going to be wonderful. Right. And I go, yes, it is. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be harder than you think it's going to be. She, and wonderful. So <laughs> both of these things are true. I mean, our, my marriage relationship is the most wonderful relationship I've ever had in my life. Right. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. <clears throat> it's been harder than I realized it was going to be. And there are times in the middle of a marriage, you look at the other person and say, I'm not feeling a lot of tingles toward you right now. Right. And it's what we do in those moments that determine just how wonderful that marriage is going to be. Right. So if you've had a whirlwind romance yes. and it's short, yeah. my parents, I think, my dad proposed to my mom after a week. Okay. And they got married in six months. There we go. So, so in a short period of time, three months, four months, six months, whatever it might be, you're, you may not have a lot of conflict. Right. And it can be like, this is just... This is duck soup. I mean, this is so easy. We just love being together. You see each other for, what, an hour or two hours a day, short periods of time. You're on your best behavior during that time. You're excited about being together because it's your, it's your few moments together during the day. So it's, a, it's an unnatural interaction that you're having day in and day out. And that's the reason it's low conflict, because you just want, we've got these few minutes together today. I just want it to be special. And so we'll do whatever. Well, then you get married and you're seeing each other all the time. You see each other first thing in the morning when neither of you looks good, (laughs) when your breath doesn't smell (laughs) good, when you look, I mean, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this, this is real life now. And I have to figure out how in the middle of real life, uh, I still express my love. I still demonstrate my love for you. And that's where the sacrifice comes in. Yes. Well, not, not to be sexist here, but I think most would agree that, uh, especially a guy like me with no hair, I kind of look the same at 2 a.m. Debbie doesn't look the same at 2 a.m. That's right. Um, and that can be kind of shocking to a guy. Sure it can. He's not used to that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. Because when you went out on dates with Debbie, when you were before oh, you got married, she, got, she spent hours yeah. getting ready for that, right? And yeah. at 2 in the morning, she has not spent those hours. So all of a sudden, it's like, this is a different experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So how does a couple deal with the... the when the reality hits and then tr- there's trouble yeah. and there are hurt feelings, and as you know, Bob, a lot of times, especially the guy, he doesn't like to share his feelings. Right. So he just kind of sits on it and lets it smolder, and then he can get resentful and bitter toward his wife. Sex is a big issue for a guy, mm-hmm. and if the wife's emotional tank's not filled up, then she's not interested physically, and then it starts to disintegrate. Uh, what would you say to a couple that's in that situation? Well, once again, we've got to start with the fact that conflict is common. So I have conflict in my marriage. You have conflict in your marriage. All God's children have conflict in their marriage. So if you're experiencing conflict, you should say, oh, 
this is normal. So now how do we deal with conflict rather than saying this is not normal, I must have the wrong person, you must be the wrong person, something's wrong with us. No, you're having what everybody has. So now let's figure out how to deal with it. And and I think the key thing, whether it's an issue of intimacy-related issues, financial issues, we have different views on how the kids, the choices we should be making for the kids, we have different ideas of how to spend leisure time. I mean, you can come up with any number of these issues. Couples have to identify what's the issue and then how do we seek God's perspective on what that issue is rather than saying, well, I think it should be this way. No, I think it should be that way. Well, that's fine how you think and how I think. What does God think? So you mentioned sexual intimacy, and, and you say a husband and wife are not on the same page related to that. Well, does the Bible have anything to say about that? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. you got five verses right there that start off by saying, now you've heard some people say that you shouldn't even have sex in marriage, but that's not God's plan. No, a husband is to devote himself to his wife, a wife to her husband. You're to come together unless it's by mutual agreement for a short period of time, for a season of prayer. Other than that, your body's not your own. Her body's not her own. Find a way to serve one another in, in the sexual area of your marriage. And, and that's God's view on that. So now it's not, well, I don't feel like it. Well, I do feel like it. Well, what, what does God say about it? Sometimes a husband's going to defer and say, I know it's not a good time for you right now. Sometimes a wife is going to go, yeah, I'm not feeling it, but I need to love and serve my husband right now. So we figure out how do we... How do we align ourselves with God's design for marriage rather than saying, I just want what I want? Yes. Okay, Bob, from the book, from 1 Corinthians 13, and, and I want you to know that I did a sermon series on 1 Corinthians 13 that was inspired by your book, oh. and it was, uh, it was very helpful for people. But uh, So you, you read the list, yep. and, and love is more described than defined, and it's all these different things that it, that it is. Um, but somebody reads that love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, doesn't brag, it's not arrogant. It's, I, I can't do this. Yes. Yeah, I, I've told couples for years, take the word love out, put your own name in where love was, now read it and just say, when do you start lying when you say this? <laughs> <laughs> so instead of love is patient, love is kind, go, Bob is patient, Bob is kind, Bob is not jealous or easily provoked. Okay, I'm... I, with patient, we, we, right, at, right at the beginning, right. I'm going, I, I don't have it in me to be as patient as I need to be or as kind as I need to be. And this is where we've got the good news that the gospel provides us with a power that we don't have inside of us. Jesus has said, I'm going to pour my love into you. And what you're going to give to one another is the overflow of what I'm pouring into you. So couples who are saying, I'm having a hard time loving my spouse, I would say, there's got to be a crimp in the hose between you and Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, and they go, what do you mean? I go, well, if you're experiencing the, over, the, the, the love of God being shed abroad in your heart, that's how the Bible talks about it. Right. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. If you're experiencing the lavishing love of Jesus, it's out of the abundance of that that you can now love another person. And so if you're having a hard time loving your spouse, I would say you need to go drink in the love of Jesus until it is so, until the joy and the peace and the contentment from, that comes from that just shapes who you are. Now go love your spouse. Now you've got an overflow, an abundance to say, here's what God's done for me. I want to do this for you. 
Yeah, that's so good. I've told people over the years, you know, it's really a husband's commanded to love his wife. A wife is commanded to respect her husband. Mm -hmm. as the famous book, Love and Respect. Right. If we do those two things, uh, so much of the other things take care of themselves. Yeah, they do. And, and it's, it's so important for, the, for each other. It's, a husband, if you go to most husbands and say, would you rather your wife love you or respect you? A husband's going to say, I, I want both, but if it's one or the other, I want I want her to respect me. I want, and it's not that I want her to, to, to bow down or submit to me. I just want her to look at me and go, "You're a man worthy of respect. You're somebody who I admire. You're somebody who I think is is special." Now he needs to strive to be that kind of right, guy, right? But that's what he's longing for. He's longing for a woman to to look at him and go, "You're you're pretty special." He'd rather have that than I feel all gooey about you, right? <laughs> and a wife just wants to know that she's cherished right. and that she's nourished and that uh, that she that her husband thinks she's special, but but that he values her and that he's pouring into her. Amen. We're talking to Bob Lapine, we're talking about the subject of marriage and family. So we're gonna gonna take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute. No way. There's a way. The Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. 
Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana, during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. We're talking to Bob Lapine. We're talking about the subject of marriage and family. Okay, Bob, when you were at our church Sunday night and uh, you were talking about the three best practices for couples to have a a great marriage and a great family because they bleed over into family, uh, one of those practices was generous forgiveness. I wanted to see if you could still remember them because it was Sunday night. Uh, Yeah, I know. You took notes, right? I did. I did. (laughs) Generous forgiveness. Yes. Uh, is a difficult thing in marriage. Yeah, it, it is. We have to start with this premise. If you don't know how to forgive in marriage, you're in for a long, hard run. Marriage is is going to have to be something you figure out how to do in marriage because we're going we're gonna to have all kinds of offenses. Some of them are going to be slight. Some of them are going to be major. But we have to figure out what do I do when I'm offended or I'm hurt or I'm wronged by another person. And the Bible says you have to practice forgiveness. Sometimes it's, it's as easy as I'm going to choose to overlook an offense. Proverbs says it's a man's glory to overlook an offense. And, and Peter says love covers a multitude of sins. So sometimes we'll do little things. I'll be short or snippy with my wife, and she'll, she'll just choose to overlook that and say, I know he's having a, a hard day. I'm not going to hold that against him. He just he growled, and I'm just going to let it go, right? <laughs> We've all had those days. Right. We do that with one another, and I think that's that's in the majority of those situations where there's conflict, we have to figure out how to overlook an offense. But there are going to be things that happen in a, in a relationship, things that pop up that are going to require more than overlooking, ways in which we offend one another profoundly. So if there's infidelity in a marriage mm-hmm. or if, if there's neglect, if there's abuse in a marriage, if there's – there are all kinds of factors that – uh, make forgiveness a challenge. And this is where if, if somebody's in one of those situations where they go, uh, my spouse has done something that has hurt me profoundly and it's, it's ongoing, mm-hmm. they, they seem unrepentant toward this, what do I do with that? And I think, first of all, you have to say this is not designed to be something that you do on your own. God designed us to be in community, so you're going to need support you're going to need spiritual guidance in this. You're going to need your local church to be involved, a pastor or, or elders or, or wise counselors who can come alongside and help guide you through this situation. But you have to have a mindset that says, my goal in this is to get the issue resolved, to be at peace with one another, and to, to rebuild the broken relationship, rather than my goal is to punish you the way you punished me. Right. Yeah, that's very difficult. When they're big, huge things, when you drop a bomb in the relationship, obviously adultery is right. a, it's a nuclear bomb. Um, you know, the Bible speaks of abandonment. Yes. And the person is free. Yep. 
and it speaks of adultery. Yep. And I, I really think that's probably not a one-time, I'm repentant, please right. forgive me. It's an ongoing yep. attitude. But now abuse has become a big thing, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's physical abuse or verbal, emotional abuse. And I've had people ask me, and it's like, well, do I have an out in Scripture to leave this marriage? Right. Um, I always think about it in terms of my daughters. I, I, I say, well, I would not have my daughter stay in a situation where they're getting physically uh, pummeled. Right. Yeah, I would get them out of there. Uh, I don't know about telling them divorce this person, but how do you respond to that? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one, and I think from a biblical standpoint, here's, here's how I've come to see that. If you've got somebody who is an unrepentant abuser, and it, here's the common pattern when it comes to abuse— uh, typically, it's a man who abuses a wife. There are cases where wives are physically abusive to their husbands, but most often it's a husband who is physically abusive to his wife or verbally abusive or emotionally abusive to his wife. And if it's physical abuse, whoever commits it is often immediately sorrowful for what they've done. Right. As soon as it's over, it's like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. In fact, they, the Nashville Police Department calls it the oh, baby syndrome. They say, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. I, I, I want to start going to church. I want to start. I, I, I don't want this to happen. And the abused woman is now hearing things she's been wanting to hear for a long time. And she's thinking, well, maybe I provoked this. Maybe I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to stick with him. And that abuser, um, I think, is really feeling what he is feeling at that moment. But he's never had anyone confront him or forced him to deal with this this deep-rooted sin pattern in his life where he doesn't know how to deal with anger and where he becomes explosive. And uh, so for a wife to be loving to her husband in that situation, she needs to say, I need to quit enabling you in this sin pattern that you're in. I need to to make it impossible for you to keep abusing me. Now, Mm -hmm. that means protection. That means where that means until you're getting help, um, I'm not loving you if I just keep showing up and let you do this to me. I'm I'm enabling your sin. Yeah. So she's got to have again. She she needs guidance. Some some guys who are abusers can become violent, and we're talking about this is not something you you get casual with. Right. right. This is where you need protection. You may need to call the police. You may need pastors or spiritual leaders involved. And let me just say a word about that because I've talked to the women who said I went to my pastor and he said you just need to go home and submit to your husband. And I would say that shepherd was a poor shepherd in that mm-hmm. situation. A, hus- a, a pastor, pastors need to be protectors of the sure. women in their their flock, their congregation. But I've been in those situations where the wives have come to me and said, this is my experience. And you have to go confront that husband. As a man, you, you need, I'll tell you a quick story. There was a, there was a wife I knew who was being abused by her husband um, regularly, and she kept quiet about it. She was ashamed. She didn't, she, no wife wants to blow the whistle on her husband, right? But finally she came to a point where with another wife, she said, uh, this is what's happening to me. Well, that wife went to her husband. It just <clears throat> happened that her husband was a former linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, that husband heard about it. He went to his friend, the other husband, and he said, I just want you to know the next time you do to your wife what you've been doing, I'm going to come and do to you whatever you did to her, plus some. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's the perfect response to that, yeah. but it gave that guy, in the back of his mind, he thought, is he serious? Right? And it caused him to have a wake-up call and say, 
I've, I've got to get help with this problem that I've got. Uh, ab- abuse, ab- abuse in marriage is a is a stubborn sin. I, I've for, for guys who have been abused growing up, they mm-hmm. turn into abusers. This is a hard one to root out and to get to the anger. They, they often lapse back into these patterns just because they're deep rooted in people. Yeah. And this this takes a lot of prayer and a lot of work, but. But the, the point is the goal for the wife ought to be a, uh, a goal where I want my husband free from this sin. I want him to be the man that I thought he was going to be when we got married. Right. That's what I'm praying for rather than I just want this dirty, good-for-nothing Yahoo right. out of my life. Right. right. And, and they can easily get like that because they get so wounded sure. that they're just like, I can't do this it's anymore. A, it's a protection mechanism. <clears throat> it's where we say, I, I want him out of my life because I, just, I need to protect my own heart and need to protect my body certainly, and so, yeah, so long to you because I can't stand this anymore. You know, Bob, I was, I was talking to a guy uh, Sunday at church who was really struggling with doubting his salvation because of that main thing. It's, it wasn't that particular sin, but he just talked about there are still things in me that I can't seem to break free from. Right. And uh, so I just kind of told him, I said, everybody typically has something like that, whether it's worry, whether it's lust, whether it's jealousy, whether it's envy, something that is is a besetting sin. Right. Um, why do you think that is, that certain things seem to fall away very quickly when we get saved and other things don't? Yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, I find great comfort in the fact that the Apostle Paul said, there are things I hate I end up doing. I mean, it was his experience to have besetting sin patterns in his life. So if you've got one, you're in good company. <laughs> um, but but I, I think what we, what we often don't see is that we have things that are kind of deep-rooted in our behavior and in our way of thinking that often it's what we experienced in childhood. It's what we grew up with. It's, it's just we, we thought it was normal. It, it's what happened in our house. We saw it with our parents. We, we normalized it, and so it, it kind of burrowed into our soul from the beginning, um, and that's, those are the ones that are often the hardest to come out. And as I sit down with couples, we often have to trace it back and go, where was the origin of this way of thinking and behaving in your life? Where did, where did all of this come from, and how did it develop? Not that, not that we have to go back and say, you know, how did your mother treat you, how did right. your father? But I do think we can sometimes, by identifying what's the root of this? Now we can say, okay, do, do we recognize that what what you believed early on, what the way you acted early on, this was wrong thinking? This mm-hmm. was not the way? And, and let's go back and address that. Let's confess that, that you got started in the wrong direction. Go back to the origin of the sin and deal with how it, how it started. Well, and I've noticed, too, when the pressure comes, that's when those things, you can hide them for a while, right. but they're going to come out. They are. And, uh, and they can be very, very destructive. And so, so knowing that, knowing that, that pressure is, is um, an issue for us, knowing that under pressure we're going to – I sit down with guys, you've heard this, this phrase, we are most vulnerable, uh, the halt, right? Mm-hmm. When we are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Right. So when, when you're in that situation where I'm, I'm just I'm, – we, we call it hangry now, right? I'm hangry. <laughs> or or – things didn't go right, or I'm tired, or I'm lonely. In those situations, uh, we got to recognize we're more vulnerable, and we're still responsible before God to figure out, 
okay, probably a good time for me to just retreat, pull out, because I'm, I need to rest up, eat up, need to get get my my issues taken right. care of, so that I'm I'm stronger to deal with what I'm facing. That's exactly right. Well, we've been talking to Bob Lapine. Bob, thank you so much for being here. Been great to be with you, Jeff. Thank you. Well, we'll be taking your calls in this next segment. The number to call is one eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. That's one eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. If you have a question or comment, I'd love to talk to you. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Back in 07, my father passed away. My mother had passed away seven years earlier, and they left me a small inheritance, and I wanted to give back to AFA for all they have done for me. Carol talks about her experience with the AFA Foundation. I am an avid listener to AFR, 12 hours a day, and I hear Dan Celia talking about the charitable gift annuity. I liked what the... uh, gift annuity offered, donated a certain amount, and from that, I get a check every month, which is retirement income for me. If you'd like to support the work of the AFA and receive a fixed income for life, a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation may just be what you're looking for. Learn more by contacting the Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. Well, we've been talking for the last uh, uh, three segments to Bob Lapine. Bob is a good friend, and he is uh, an author and a pastor and a speaker. He's written a book called The Christian Husband, and his newest book is uh, Love Like You Mean It. So Bob had to leave for a meeting, but we're taking your calls. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. And we have Ronnie from Alabama on the line. Ronnie, welcome to the broadcast. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Jeff. Uh, I just wanted to thank you for how great an encouragement you are to me. I listen to you preaching. It comes on at 6 o'clock here in Montgomery. But you you, you just speak to me. I, I praise the Lord Jesus for, for, for how he's using you. you. You speak directly to me. I, I've lived a backslidden life. I know I'm saved, 
because Jesus speaks to my heart and his Holy Spirit speaks to me. And, and he uses you in these things. And, and I just wanted to thank you very much and ask you to pray for me. I, 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 I need strengthening. I, yes. I really messed up my life and wasted so many years I, I, that I've ruined my testimony. I, I can't witness because of that. I, I, I just made a mess of my life, and I'd like to ask you to pray for Ronnie in Montgomery, Alabama. Well, Thank I definitely you, will, love Ronnie. Love you too, my brother. Well, I'll pray for you right now. Father in heaven, I thank you for Ronnie. I thank you for his honesty. I thank you, Lord, that um, that he knows you and he loves you. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would break every chain that is holding him back from being the man of God that you want him to be. And God, give him a passion for you that would far exceed his passion for anything else. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you are the God of second chances. You're the God of, of uh, mercy and grace. And uh, as you say in your word, uh, when, you, when you revealed yourself to Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who forgives, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. And so, Lord, we thank you that you're that kind of a God that we can know and we can trust and we can get close to. And I pray that you would just pour out your mercy and grace and love upon Ronnie and that there would be a change in him that would even begin today so that he could be the man that you want him to be, that he desperately wants to be. So thank you so much, Ronnie, for calling. Well, we have uh, Gary on the line from Ohio. Gary, go ahead. You're on the broadcast. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to thank you for uh, giving me possibly a second opinion about uh, what I should do about forgiving myself because of... uh, uh, Infidelity. I was married to my wife for 32 years. She uh, she left this world with cancer. I tried to make it up to her, but I uh, had trouble forgiving myself, and I just needed a second opinion of how I can go about the rest of my life to forgive myself and maybe find somebody else that I live and learn and use. Yes. Great, great question, Gary. Thank you for that. Well, here's the good news. So the scripture says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, and that means to agree with God, homo legeo is the word for confess, if we agree with God about our sins, that they're sinful, that they're awful, not, did, not only did we break God's law, but we broke his heart and we're repentant over that. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, The word all is critical there. No matter what you've done, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, is able to cleanse from all unrighteousness. So the issue when we do something uh, that, that in our minds is just so terrible and so horrible and so awful that we can't forgive ourselves, the Bible never tells us, hey, you need to forgive yourself. What the Bible tells us is that, hey, you need to accept God's forgiveness. God is the highest standard. Uh, Our standard could never be higher than God's. He's holy, holy, holy. He's perfect in all his ways. And you and I and mankind, we're sinful, sinful, sinful. So if the highest uh, God, the most high God, if he says, I forgive you, then the challenge that we have is just do we receive that forgiveness? Do we accept from the Lord that his word is true and what he said 
is right and he really does forgive us. Because if that's the case, then we can just accept his forgiveness. Uh, Gary, I often uh, review in my mind Luke 7, the prostitute that wept at Jesus' feet. She had done terrible, horrible things. Her mind was uh, just riddled with all sorts of of, uh, awful experiences and remembrances. But when she repented at the feet of Jesus and she poured out her heart, uh, he said to her, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Uh, He didn't say go in guilt. He didn't say go in shame. He didn't say go in condemnation. Go in peace. You have been forgiven. Now, she had a choice. She could accept what the Lord said and receive those words and say, the king told me I'm forgiven. The king told me to go in peace. Or she could reject it and say, well, no, that can't be right because I did this and I did that and I did the other. So the challenge for the Christian is always just to take God at his word. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I hope that you find and receive that peace and cleansing and forgiveness from the Lord. Well, we're taking your calls. We'd love to talk to you. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. We had been, have been talking about in this hour marriage and family and how to have a marriage that not only survives We all want our marriages to survive, but much more than that. That's just the baseline. We want our marriages and our families to thrive. And as Bob Lapine shared when he came to First Baptist Texarkana for a a marriage event just this past Sunday, it takes extravagant love, it takes generous forgiveness, and it takes enthusiastic encouragement. The Bible says, encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Encouragement is so important, and our homes need to be characterized by words that build up, not by words that tear down. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Well, we have Richard on the line from Mississippi. Oh, Richard is not on the line yet. He's, he's coming up. But uh, that it may give grace to those who hear. Uh, we want to, to speak words to our spouse, to our children, that would build them not up, not tear them down. Uh, now we have Richard on the line. Richard, go ahead. You're, you're on the broadcast today. Yes, I just heard Ronnie uh, from Montgomery talking about how he had uh, ruined his witness, that he had uh, lived an unbiblical life. Well, uh, I, I did, too, pretty much the same situation. But uh, uh, if, Ronnie, if you're listening, I'm going to tell you, uh, people see the change in you as you begin to live a biblical life and uh, talk to people, uh, people that knew the old Ronnie, people that knew the old Ricky. Uh, they see the change in you, and they and and they wonder, well, what happened to Ronnie? What happened to Ricky? And uh, you have not ruined your witness whatsoever. Uh, matter of fact, it gives you a more powerful uh, position to speak from because people know what you were, and they see how you're doing and acting and uh, following uh, the principles that that we learn uh, in the Bible and. I just want to encourage you to use your situation to uh, go talk to some of those people. 
and 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 let them know. Give them your personal testimony. Uh, that's what I've been doing. Everybody knew the old Ricky, and now they see the new Ricky, and they they wonder what in the world got into him. And it's it's called the Holy Spirit, but it will absolutely uh, be a, a powerful uh, testimony uh, that you can use uh, to to reach others and and lead people to Christ. Amen. That's a great word, Ricky. Uh, it's never too late to get things right with God. It's never too late to get things right with people. And uh, when we wrong people, especially with family, you know, we can we can really wound uh, our spouses. We can wound our kids. But uh, if we'll just come to them in in humility and brokenness and repentance, and just say, "I have sinned and I have wronged you. Please forgive me." And if it's something that's been a pattern, maybe they're going to have a hard time forgiving you. They need to see it. Uh, They need to see that there is a change, because if you just keep doing the same things over and over again, and uh, then keep saying, oh, please forgive me, please forgive me, um, then they're like, you're never, there's never a change. It's just all the same old stuff. So uh, by God's grace, he can change us from the inside out. And as he does, people start to notice. Uh, we talk about it in Family Life Ministries. What, what do you do to rebuild trust? It's consistent behavior over time rebuilds trust. Trust is one a drop at a time. It's lost by the buckets full. You can do one stupid, sinful, selfish thing and destroy the trust that you, your loved ones have with you. You can't get it back in one act. It's going to take consistent behavior over time. But if you will consistently behave correctly and walk with God and, uh, and let the Lord shine through you, over time people will start trusting you again. And people say, God has done a work in that person, and it is awesome to see. Uh, Peter is a great example of somebody who blew it big time. But God wasn't through with Peter, and God's not through with you. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, and Jonah responded. You and I can respond, and we can walk with God. And as we talk about in this broadcast, we can do the two things that are so critical. We can shine for Christ, and we can share what great things the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. Make it a great day. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.